Hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. As always, I am joined by my co-host, the host of Jack AM, Jack Allison. Don't forget to hit us up with a five-star rating on iTunes. And hey, if you want tons and tons of bonus episodes, including an upcoming episode on the Netflix series Castlevania with Emma and Alex Worldwide Keller, as well as an episode of Struggle Session presents Alan Moore on Captain Britain with our boy Aubrey Sitherson. You'll be able to hear those episodes on sesh.plus or patreon.com slash struggle session. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitch, twitch.tv slash struggle session. And hey, check out the shop, strugglesession.shop. Today, we're answering your questions and comments that you've left us on the voicemail at sesh.show. And our first question today comes from Connor. Hey, guys. The new Evangelion movie came out, and it will hopefully be the last Evangelion thing to appear on screen. Have you guys seen it? Do you plan on seeing it if you haven't? All right, Connor. Wow. Good question. A great question to start us off. Connor, thank you so much for being a listener and I have not seen the new Avon Ava movies. Uh, Jack, you have. I have. I honestly think Ava 3.0 plus 1.0 might be my favorite movie of the year. Oh, wow. Um, I, I mean, like, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, for a moment, I was like, is Dune my favorite movie of the year, even though I don't even like it that much? Um, and I was reminded that the Ava movie does count. So I think it might be my favorite movie of the year. Um, I loved it. I, I like all the rebuilds. Um, I thought it ended in a way that felt really you know like like you know felt like the ava cycle could kind of come to an end you know this is as much about anno as it is about you know uh, getting a uh, um, a satisfying ending to it um i would also recommend for anybody who watches uh, the new Evangelion to also watch the great new Hideki Anno documentary that they have, I think, also on Prime Video. Um, it's called The Final Challenge of Evangelion. Um, really enjoyed watching that. Um, it's basically Hideki Anno agreed to have them shoot a documentary about the, the latest Ava, and but he has decided he doesn't want to be on camera. So much of the movie is him being like telling the, the filmmaker go film over there and like go outside and make sure to catch it when it rains outside i'm not interesting go film this this is more interesting it's great it really That's is fun. good he also says he also says that he um he can't fake it like uh hayao miyazaki <laughs> he's like i'm not good to be in a documentary because i can't fake it like miyazaki yeah we're gonna do we're, we were planning on starting a watch party series but the amazon prime thing was fucking up but we'll we'll do that we'll we'll be doing uh rebuild of ava watch uh series with some special guests so just check out our twitch feed uh for that coming up soon probably over the holidays it would be a fun thing to do yeah that sounds good and next up we have a question from friend of the show Struggle sesh crew it's your boy adpp executive producer at jack am and my call today is about the horror genre uh, i've really been getting into it the past couple months love everything about it but i got a problem Almost all of the art that I've consumed in the horror genre have been made by white people. 
and I need Struggle Session okay. to put me on game. I'm looking for some black horror artists, okay? And that's that's anything. That's from art to uh, books to movies, TV shows. I need I need Struggle Session. I need <laughs> Struggle Session to help me and 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 pull me out of this uh, this colonizer <laughs> horror hole that I'm in right now. Please help me, guys. Wow. All right. Love the show. No. Okay. All right. Wow. ADPP. Yeah, no, I'm interested to know the answer to this, too. I feel like you're probably going to have some, well, Jack, some good Jack, suggestions Well, Jack, if you, if you don't mind, I, I would like you you know, to go ahead, provide um, any answers um, you uh, have to the question. Obviously, the, 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 you know, uh, the candy man, the guy who plays the candy man, not necessarily the filmmakers he, of the, the original candy man, uh, but, um, you know, um, uh, not the guy who wrote Lovecraft Country. Uh, that was a white guy, yes. But the TV show actually was written by a black woman, and I actually think some uh, one of those episodes is pretty good. Uh, I forget which one. The one set in a Korea. It's actually a very good horror kind of short story one episode uh to check that out i think that's worth it um also biggie 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 octavia butler fledgling fledgling that's probably the number one go-to black horror book out there you also want to check out her short story collection uh blood child samuel r delaney i think a lot of people don't know that he's black actually he's like a he's a very popular sci-fi classic sci-fi writer but i think a lot of people don't know he uh might not know he's uh black but he has some good stuff out there if you want you know kind of like some you know kind of fun uh oos like uh fan urban fantasy romance horror check out uh la banks uh who was who wrote these like tons and tons of like basically like back black buffy the vampire slayer novels <clears throat> also uh walter mosley known mostly for noir and detective stories also done a little bit of horror linda d addison prolific horror poet and writer uh first uh black woman uh, to win a bram stoker award uh she has a great uh, collection i would recommend how to recognize a demon has become your friend uh, uh someone i talked about a lot on the show victor laval uh who wrote the ballad of black tom which takes the most lo racist lovecraft story and you know kind of black blackifies it for uh, lack of a better term uh beloved by T tony morrison uh, the very controversial book that they're trying to get banned in uh, Virginia. Jack, did you know that Beloved is not just a book that you have to read in English class? It's actually like good. It's actually like a really like good. You like, know, see, that's the thing, book. Leslie. Is a lot of books are that you have to read in English class. It's like you do a disservice to books by assigning them in school because yes. like they'll be forever like associated with being whack for the people for the children that you did that to. Yeah. It's, it's it's somehow a double edged sword. I don't know how I don't know how to fix that, yeah. but you know, it's really great. Um. For movies, I mean that's 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 one of the things with even all this talk about banning books and stuff like that. I'm like, obviously they shouldn't do it, but you're just making these books cooler and more legendary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like people will seek them out so much more, you know. Yeah. Also for movies, uh, we talked about this on our hor uh, our 31 Days of Horror epi episode, Tales from the Hood, Death by mm -hmm. Temptation. You gotta do, do, do those two. Uh, there's a uh, there's a documentary about black horror films called uh, Ho Horror Noir. Uh, that's on Shudder. That's very good. 
and it features a uh, right uh, lots of black uh, horror writers, including uh, including uh, Tanana Reeve Du, who's the uh, writer of The Good House, and she's a very very uh, good horror writer. As far as comic books, check out Brian Edward Hill. He's done a lot of comic books, and he also did the first season of Ash versus uh, Evil Dead. He was in the writer room hmm. for that. So hey, you can uh, maybe some of the white horror you uh, watched has already had some black <laughs> influence on it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, what I just found out from from Googling here is that the director of Purge Four, the first Purge, uh, is also a black. Oh yeah, uh, director. yeah, we... and and that's a great. That is a good black. Oh yeah, movie, very much. Uh, the Purge Four, uh, the first. That's a Purge. very black ass horror. Movie. I have to specifically say the Purge yes. Four, the, <laughs> the first, first Purge. Is very confusing because <laughs> because when you say the first Purge, it's, he didn't do the home invasion one. He did the Purge Four, the first Purge. On to our next question from emily hi guys i'm emily i listened to your show for a few years now and i really enjoy it one question that i do have is is there any plan to do a commentary on Zack snyder's justice league i really like to hear your thoughts and reactions to certain scenes within the movie um again i really enjoyed the show and i just want you guys to keep up the good work um thank you Bye. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for such a sweet call. We really appreciate uh, that. And the answer is, of course, 100,000% yes. We will do it. We will absolutely do it. At this point, I'm almost like we should just wait for the the year anniversary. At this point, I'm like, just wait till March and say after, you know, the to celebrate the year of uh, the Snyder Cut, we're finally going to do our commentary. But it's absolutely uh, coming. We will do it. And it will be a lot of fun uh, to revisit. Like every time I watch a little bit more of it, I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty fun damn movie. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, I, I kind of want to wait because I did watch it like two or three times when it first came out. And so now I'm like, I think I'd like to wait a couple months before revisiting it. You need a little it. critical distance. So just, I, I just blew my I blew my Justice League wad like by getting so excited about it. So wait till the one year anniversary and I think we'll do Zack Snyder's Justice right, thank League. Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Next up, Leo. Hey, Leslie. I just wanted to thank you for following me on Twitter recently. Uh, I don't want to tell you who I am because I feel like this sentiment is bordering on sycophantic and I'm afraid that might make you want to unfollow me. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's a question. If you could selectively erase your memory and re-experience any video game again, fresh for the first time with fresh eyes no knowledge of it, no memories of it. Uh, what game would you t- t- to do that with? Love the show. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much, Leo. I'll never unfollow a loyal reply guy. Never, ever, ever. I was gonna say. I was gonna say, Leslie. You know that the, I think the thing to do is just you know uh, you have to cut the Gordian knot there and unfollow everybody. You know, unfollow every single person you follow to make sure you got this guy. Oh, come unfollowed. on, come on, Jack, <laughs> Jack, that's, Jack, you're such a meanie. That's come Alexandrian on. to cut the Gordian knot that Jack. way. Come on. So, game I would re-experience, um, probably, and it, it's not just about the game; it's about the situation too. It's just that I, I was um. When my my dad sent me a copy of Resident Evil Two, sent it to me for my birthday. It just like I had such a great experience playing it. Just has a good time, and I hadn't seen my dad in a while. It just made me I don't know. It just made me think. I called my dad. It was really uh, you know just had a good conversation with him, and just had a good time. And like every time I play Resident Evil Two now, I just think of my uh, dad because he's not obviously not here now. I can't 
call them now, but when I play that game, I kind I just kind of get that same feeling. So that's kind of what, I, and I also love the game. Man. It was a fantastic game. So I kind of redo that whole experience again. You know, it's a tough question because, you know, your mind immediately goes to things that blew your mind, like Mario 64 and stuff like that. But, you know, is this I'm playing this uh, this game is wiped from my memory, but I still remember every other game I've ever ah. played because I feel like if I went if I played Mario 64 the first time, I'd be like, this sucks. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, like Mario Galaxy is better, <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't know. Like my where I go to is like, I think I'd maybe want to play. Metal Gear Solid 2 again and not know what happens in Metal Gear Solid 2 because I do remember that just being such a mind blower when I was a teenager. You know, everything from first not playing a snake for the entire game and then the actual like full ending of it all. Um, I think I would even go Metal Gear Solid 2 even if I remembered all the rest of the Metal Gears because I think I could have my mind oh, blown okay. by it again. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you so much, Leo, for that great question. Next up, Philip. Hi. Hello. I have a message for Jack. Uh-oh. This fucking bullshit. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. All right. All this is right. what I get for doing a fucking Zoo Crew show See, in the see, I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It was one of those Jack A.M. fucking Zoo Crew. One of those Jack A.M. pranksters. All right. We don't do that sort of stuff here on Struggle Session. It's okay. a serious, critical, uh, Jeez, cultural criticism over on. here. Come on. Look, Look this, well, is, this is grad school stuff over here. Don't be fucking flushing toilets. Well, Jack, let me then ask you a question since Philip, um, you know, is above it, apparently. What, what's been going on on Jack AM? We really don't get to talk that much about Jack AM uh, on Struggle Session. So what have you been doing over there? You know, we've been watching some of uh, John Stewart's new show, The Problem, uh, which is really quite bad. Um, this is a show where John Stewart lays out problems in America, but only for people who are current subscribers of Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> um, it's basically the same format as last week tonight, but not funny and not topical um, and way more self-serious. Basically, you know, the structure is every episode he plays a funny clip package and a serious clip package package and then he goes and speaks some truth to power um you know uh, never is the is the conclusion like ne never is it asked like why are things this way it just is like people are being hypocritical and they haven't had uh the um truth spoken to them yet as power uh, and beyond that we just watch a bunch of fucking tv shows and movies uh one minute at a time um, so, you know, come, come tune in on Jack, uh, Jack AM. It's twitch.tv slash Jack AM. Um, sometimes it's Monday through Friday. Sometimes it's just Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> All right. Next up question from Tony. Uh, y'all have been drawing connections between Jerusalem and Watchmen. And one of the ones that I wanted to do was to make the comparison between the Minutemen meeting in Watchmen uh, and May and little Big May and Little May's walk through Northampton, and how those two things are told from different perspectives, so that you see the different sides of it. So in in Watchmen, you've got that New Minutemen meeting that's held by uh, Captain Metropolis. You know, it plays back and forth between Night Owl, and then you see Ozymandias like responding to 
the comedians burning the thing and starting to come up with his idea that, you know, it wasn't ever going to be about superheroes anymore. Then you've got uh, Lori sort of looking over at John and then John and Janie arguing because John is looking at Lori. And, you know, it's just that sense of this is a really important little moment. And this is something that really shapes their lives going forward. You can go back to earlier pieces in the chapters whenever they do those flashbacks. And you can see the details of the other perspectives hidden in the background or just not showcased. And that walk through town has the, the meeting with Charlie Chaplin and the flirting that he does with uh, May. And then it has the meeting with Henry as he's taking his walk to learn about Amazing Grace. And, uh, and I just, you know, really, really appreciate that this sense of this walk through town being such an important thing that everyone has this little nexus point and it's just another like i love alan moore doing his thing and sort of recontextualizing these ideas about time and about reality and perspective and, and the way that they kind of reframe over and over again throughout his career like god i love him so much so that's it you guys are doing a great job and i really appreciate you uh doing this series and i'm so happy to be following along wow tony thank you so much for that uh, great call and not really a question just a great uh observation of uh alan moore's jerusalem yeah listen uh, uh i think that this is you know kind of like a little more of what alan moore always plays with which is this you know uh, uh time is all sort of happening at once and so we can sort of like look in on different moments from different places you know um because this is all you know one sort of uh, mass of events that you can check in at any time you know he talks about that with watchmen being able to flip back and look at it yourself you know this is one of the reasons why more, you know, is talked about liking the written word in comics better than uh, than film and stuff. Yeah. All right. And on to the next voicemail. Now, this is one I'm actually not playing. I'm sorry that we've had. To, I have to start instituting some rules, you know, with any, you know, new system like this. We got to have some, you know, guidelines for, you know, behavior, proper uh, conduct and, you know, just good takes, good calls. And what we're not going to yeah. do. What we're not going to do is L pets. If you call in with an L pet, if you call in with any variation of instructing Jack or I personally to let people enjoy something or someone, it's, we're not going to play the call. And more importantly than that, we are going to take a little bit of time to trash the thing some more. So we got our first L pet mistake call of the day. And this one, the subject, can you guess, Jack, what the L pet was? Dune? No, no, it's an older one, old villain. Um, oh, is it Watchmen? No, it's a Jack. It's not about f hating the things you fear. It's about f I'm fucking up fighting the, for the things oh, you love. Okay, it's, fine, fine, fine. It's fine, the last whatever. Jedi and Ryan Johnson. Jack, you aren't you aren't even on Twitter, and this person was hot about you like in your own home not liking ryan johnson for some reason but i'm uh, sorry to say it, like if you want to call in and you know debate a, t a movie that's fine but you can't just tell us to feel a certain way about something and we're critics we're gonna criticize things 
And this is a really bad week to bring up Ryan Johnson because it's finally been announced in the trades, in the mainstream trades. Struggle Session has been saying this for years, literally years we've been saying this, but it's been acknowledged in the trades. Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is not happening. That's right. It was finally announced. IGN made it official. Uh, both both, both uh, Patty Jenkins and Ryan Johnson's Star Wars movies uh, are not going to be happening. You know, um, this is what this is what everybody this is what we knew from the very beginning, what everybody knew who paid any attention. But everybody got themselves convinced because they, you know, have gotten a tweet liked by Ryan or something <laughs> like that, that this uh, series was definitely going to be happening. But um you know, uh, it's not. Um, and, you know, I think there's just we need the last domino to fall, which is the Benioff and Weiss uh, Star Wars needs to get officially canceled. Oh, and yes. Then, and then it will be right back to just Dave Filoni doing shows about prequels era Star Wars and uh, and life will and things will have returned back to a proper state. <laughs> you know, nature, nature will have returned to its proper state at that point. Yeah, I don't feel too sorry for Ryan because he did get half a billion dollars to do uh, two sequels to the Falcon Leghorn uh, Detective yeah. movie. <laughs> Which, hey, I guess, you know, since uh, fucking Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond has made like $700 million, maybe it was worth it. Maybe maybe they just hand, hand a lot of that to Daniel Craig because people just love him so much. I have no idea. Uh, it's all good. I'm happy that if people like Ryan... They can go have their quirky little anti um, anti whodunits over in peace. Have a, have a good time over there. Yeah. Enjoy um, your Netflix movies. All right. Next question from Adam. Hey, guys. Hope all is well. Uh, Adam from Maryland here. Just wanted to give a quick call. Uh, three questions. Um, first up, will the Democrats be so craven to actually um, dismiss or outright go against Black Lives Matter? Number two, who will dethrone Adam Page for the AEW world title? Number three, more of a prediction. Any predictions for Meltdown May 2022? Oh. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Oh, Adam, great, great call. I like it. Hitting us with three hot ones off the top. First one, uh, I think the Democrats, like from the beginning, yeah. distanced themselves from Black Lives Matter. I mean, they've, the they've distanced themselves from the beginning, but if it wasn't obvious enough, all the stuff about like defund the police is a bad phrase and it caused Democrats to lose and stuff like that. They haven't ever explicitly said, like, I stand against Black Lives Matter. They've just all took stances standing against every stance oh, yes. that Black Lives Matter take, which I think is uh, it's pretty obvious what's going yeah, on. So they have disavowed Black Lives Matter in everything other than actively saying that sentence. Yeah, it's like, who's the vice president? Who's the mayor of New York? Blue New York City. Like, come, yeah, yeah. come on. All right, part two of that question. Now, Jack, I do want you to participate in this. I know you're not the biggest AEW <laughs> fan, but I put in the chat the link to the AEW okay. roster. So okay. I actually, Let's Jack, I here. want you to pick just cold, just looking at this group of guys, uh, uh -huh. who should dethrone brand new AEW world champion uh hangman adam page there we go okay cool the AEW roster i'm gonna blind pick i'm well, gonna not blind, blind pick, pick well, but you know well, i mean you know and it does have their first, records first. there it does have their winning records there so that it's not okay. it's not that is the ch current page is a favorite billy gun billy gun <laughs> billy gun <laughs> 
um, unlikely. Oh, I'm, I was looking at career. I was not looking at 2021. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let, me, let me look at 2021 overall instead of career overall. Brian Cage Ooh. seems like a contender. Brian Cage. That's a, Brian he Cage has the is a contender. He has the visuals. Cash Wheeler uh, has a decent decent record. Well, he's more of a tag team specialist. Unlikely, but possible. Unlikely, but possible. Darby Allen. Oh, Darby, Darby Allen. Allen. Has a very good record. Has a very, very good record here. I think, uh, um, yeah, Darby, he's a cool looking guy. He's pretty popular. Um, I My personal pick, I think next AEW champion, probably going to be Malachi Black. What do you think of him, Jack? Okay, good look. Not the best career, you know, not the best well, he, uh, record. He's only got in there recently. He's destroyed. See, the numbers sometimes lie. He's basically destroyed everyone he's been in the ring with, and he hasn't had as mm-hmm. many matches. So it's not the numbers. Like a people with like a lot of numbers, they're actually lower on the card guys because they have to work. Because they get... They have to play so I have to do so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to they have to they have to they have to build themselves up to the main event. Then you then you get the wrestle list. All right, cool, cool, cool. Predictions for Meltdown May. What I'm seeing, and it may coalesce before May. It may coalesce before May. But the religious wars are coming back. The religious wars are coming back. A lot of people, uh things are bad out there. People are kind of getting a little bit more conservative, traditional. We talked about this on the Travis Scott episode. I think we're going to see more of that style of religious mania uh, meltdown and not just from the right. Say I'm going to be very happily, you know, sitting next to a pool, sipping a Mai Tai, not <laughs> seeing even a moment of it. You know, there, there's life outside and I, I, I may miss it entirely. You know, Leslie, this weekend I went to some party and people were like people were like did you see the like pissing video i'm like what in the fuck goes on with all you people that everybody knows what pissing what the hot pissing oh, video th- no, is here's the thing jack it was I actually know, cool i've seen it now it was actually fucking I've cool i've seen it now cool i know but just just that everybody at the party was like knowing exactly the piss video and was like oh yeah i know the piss video i'm like what is fucking wrong like we need to that we need to you know we need to go back to be <laughs> at the good. concerts where they're actually pissing we need to actually be at the concert when this shit yes, it needs to just be a story you can tell people. It shouldn't be that everybody knows every frame of a certain piss video. Next question from Chris. I don't know if you ever addressed specifically Grant Morrison's ideology. You went into the conflict with Alan Moore a little bit, but there's something deeply disturbing, neoliberal, and uh, ultimately... Uh, detrimental about Grant Morrison, about chaos magic, and about this whole notion of imbuing corporate characters with magic properties uh, to make a better future. And um, yeah, Alan Moore was always right with uh, his own magical system and his own view of time. So I was just wondering whether a thorough critique of Grant Morrison or one of his works and these kind of really strange and easily appropriated and um, ultimately servile ideas that he puts forward. Thanks a lot, actually. Big fan. I know that. So, uh, you know, Grant Morrison, I haven't really been a fan of their work for a very long time. I fell off fairly early off the Grant Morrison train. Uh, I 
because of the, the feeling, Chris, that you present, like when I was reading stuff like JLA, I, they would always try to do these uh, political parables and I would always think, man, this sounds like fucking neoliberal bullshit. This is something like Al Gore will ultimately like. This isn't, you know, Alan Moore, who's always been, you know, pushing the edge of something, which I never got from anything of Grant Morrison's work. And what I haven't read a lot about his Chaos Magic stuff, but I had the similar impression where it's just like, this is just like justifying to yourself a way to uh, sell out. You know, uh, Grant Morrison, I used to be a big fan. I did used to be a big fan of their work, and I kind of stayed a fan through, um, God, what was it, Final Crisis and the Batman run and everything like that. But, you know, ultimately I kind of fell off because, you know, while there's some interesting stuff in there, you know, they, they just keep... They're kind of like the Alan Moore who will like work for the big fucking corporations, you know, it's like and and I think that that has done has made Grant Morrison a, a slightly less interesting writer, you know, uh, um, I don't know. Now I just kind of think of them as one of the stable of people that write for DC and kind of like really nothing beyond that. I've never haven't really gotten into any of the you know, uh, the new Green Lantern or anything. I, I ultimately am, am kind of like bored by by Grant's continuing to just work for fucking DC as one of their house uh, house writers. Ah, thank you so much for that great question, Chris. And for our last question, Ponchies. Hey there, guys. Love the show. Uh, just a quick thing. There's been a lot of this hype for the new Spider-Man and all these leaks about like the actors who's going to play and the villains and whatnot. And the nostalgia based on this is pretty high through the roof. Some friends are just really excited for it, right? And Spider-Man, the new one, No Way Home or something like that. Anyway, I'm not sure why I'm not feeling the same sort of excitement seeing like Dr. Octavius and uh, the Green Goblin. Some people are even saying that the Andrew Garfield ones where Electro came out uh, with Jimmy Fox, and they're getting excited about that, which I don't understand why. In looking at the new trailer, it felt a little artificial to me, and maybe it's the fatigue for the MCU. Uh, just watched Shang-Chi, and it was very underwhelming. But are you also guys feeling this? Is this Sony's fault that it looks a little weird? Is it Disney's fault? Or maybe is it just... Tom Holland and crew. Anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. All right, thank you so much, Ponchies. So, I mean, our 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 audience are so smart. I think you pretty much figured it out for yourself when you said it feels unreal. Like, what is this movie? It's apparently a mashup of a bunch of other movies. How does that's that's not a movie. That's not even like a thing that exists, a bunch of movies that are supposed to exist in different realms, different universes, is it makes no sense. And I don't know why this is the turn that comic book movies have taken because it's basically the turn that killed comic books. <laughs> the massive nonstop crossovers of characters that don't belong together and where you are drowning out telling any real stories because the only point is to get all your characters uh, in the same thing. 
Aside from what you just said and that being right, um, I think the Tom Holland Spider-Man series is not a fucking even a movie series. It's not a movie series. These are like like you should look at these as like Marvel 16 and Marvel 19. Like I saw someone describe the new one as the end of the trilogy. And I'm like, no, it's fucking not (laughs) like it's not the end of a trilogy where Doctor Strange shows up. If you watch these as a trilogy, you'd be like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) When Doctor Strange shows up. Um, Why does Matt? Magic exist, right? Like, what, yeah, I think the big problem with these is like, you know, you watch the Raimi Spider-Mans, and if you even read the Spider-Man comics, like Spider-Man was kind of sequestered off into his own little sort of corner of Marvel, dealing with smaller things and dealing with real life issues and stuff like that. Like, I think the big problem with the Tom Holland Spider-Mans is from the very beginning they made him best friends with like the richest man on the planet. So already you're starting off from a place of Spider-Man will never have any troubles or like life issues to run into. In the original comics, Spider-Man like goes to get help from the Fantastic Four one time and they're like, fuck off, kid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, I that's how that. it should yeah. actually be. That's how it should actually be is everyone's like, fuck off, kid. But he's like already saved the universe. He's friends with the richest guy on the planet. It just doesn't work as a Spider-Man series. And so what you might be reacting to is that what you're seeing is not really Spider-Man. It's just like, you know, there, there, there are these sort of Spider-Man themed episodes of of the Marvel TV show. You know, they, these are not, these are not Spider-Man stories and he is not even really Spider-Man. Um, you know, if you look at the actual, like what Spider-Man stories uh, have been like and what works about Spider-Man over the years. I heard a funny theory uh, that I choose to believe is true. And the reason that they're, and it's this, that the reason that they're doing a sinister, sinister six movie where they're bringing back Jamie Foxx as electro two different green goblins, all this other stuff is because Sony has been trying to get to a sinister six movie for so long that they insisted upon it. And Marvel had to acquiesce and write what I am sure is an absolutely absurd script to justify bringing in a bunch of villains that the hero has never met that he's supposed to fight uh, in this movie. But I do see people are pretty excited just to see like Alfred Molina as Doc Ock again. So I guess has that going for you. Like if you see characters you like moving around on the screen, Maybe that's all anybody ever wanted from movies in the first place. I guess that's it. Just people want to see the Spider-Man costume. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I It did not. Like, everyone got excited about Alfred Molina's green screened face over a CGI, a fully CG shot. I'm like, this does not excite me at all. And in fact, I find it sad. Uh, and it won't be exciting when they finally reveal that fucking Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield <laughs> are in it, too. Uh, that will just remind everyone of what good uh, Spider-Man movies were like. And I actually even I don't like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, but those are much more Spider-Man movies than the last couple like Marvel ones, which are just like so deeply in this bizarre non-Spider-Man-ish canon. Yeah. And the weird thing is like, in the multi any multiverse comic, right? Batman's always Bruce Wayne still looks like Bruce Wayne, right? <laughs> Bruce Wayne, uh pirate Bruce Wayne still looks like Bruce Wayne. Uh, J- uh alternate reality Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent, they still look the same, but in the movies they're all different actors. Why does that make sense? Why would like reality make Peter Parker look like completely three 
completely different <laughs> men. Like that doesn't because these are crossovers of movie universes. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. It's just like you know, really, what it is. I honestly look at this one and I'm like, it shows such a weak hand that they're doing the fucking. They're doing Alfred Molina, um, Doctor Doc Ock. I'm like, you don't have like you haven't made any good villains in like the three Spider-Man movies you've done. You have to go back to like nostalgia for Spider-Man two, like from 20 years ago. You know what I mean? This just shows that they just haven't built a like they haven't built out Spider-Man in any way. I really think like everyone was so excited. Like, yes, Marvel's teaming with Sony. I think that these have like been like quite obviously the worst Spider-Man <laughs> movies that have ever been made. And they really like, and like it kind of shows how little they actually care about building up Spider-Man because they don't own the rights. They only want to do this bullshit if it like, you know, gets people to buy tickets to the next fucking Doctor Strange movie. All right, folks. Thank you so much for your voicemails. Please keep them coming at sesh.show. Peace. See ya.